And I, I believe that that's what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to our hearts here today, is simply to be in a mindset of surrender and allow God to fill us with His Spirit. Amen. The way He chooses to fill us and when He chooses to fill us and how He chooses to fill us. Amen. With His Spirit. And I thank God for His blessings. I'd like to welcome all of our guests today. Amen. Praise God. And if you are a first-time guest, I would love to meet with you just for a moment. I've got a small gift for you uh, in my office through the door here, and I won't keep you for very long, but I just want to touch base with you. Sometimes it's time is of the essence, and it's a little uh, difficult to be able to navigate through the, the crowd sometimes. So I would love to take just a moment to shake your hand and to welcome you and offer you a small gift. And uh, again, I won't take you. I uh, won't take very long unless you want to take a while. I'll be more than happy to stay as long to talk to you and answer any kind of questions that you have. Uh, but I just, uh, we are definitely glad to have you with us here in this service today. Amen. Praise God. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16, I have a little bit of an unusual uh, title and message today that I felt on my heart uh, for this service here that God would choose for me to speak this message to. Amen. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, spoke about how I had never really preached uh, an entire message on the prodigal son. Uh, I've referred to it many times, but uh, that was my focus. This is a message that I've never uh, preached an entire uh, message as far as this uh, subject, but I felt it very strongly today. Uh, to refer to this in the beginning of the, the message. Verse 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt, do, uh, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy, thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto the disciples, Verily I said, say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them, said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter, Peter was always the one with the tough questions. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we 
have their four. Amen. I want to preach about that for a moment. In essence, Peter was really asking, does it really pay to serve the Lord? Amen. Does it really pay to serve the Lord? If you would put your Bibles down and lift your hands to the Lord, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts here today. Lord, we, we praise you and we honor you and we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your spirit, God, that we already feel in this house right now. God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts, God, through your word. Let the power and the glory and the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest upon us, I pray. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord, if you would. Praise God. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture deals with the time that Jesus told the rich young ruler to give all that he had, all of his riches, and to give them to the poor and to follow him. Fortunately, the young man ran away very sorrowful because he could not let go of his material blessings. After all, he had a whole lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff that he would have to give away. Jesus told the disciples that it would be extremely difficult for a rich man to go to heaven because of their unwillingness to allow God to be more important to them than their material possessions. In response, the disciples asked the question, and this is a good question because they probably knew a lot of people that may not have been wealthy, but they were unwilling to give everything to the Lord. They said, who then can be saved? Jesus' response was clear in verse number 26. He said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So in essence, what Jesus is simply saying is that while humanity has limits on what they can do, while humanity has some limits on what they can produce, while humanity has some limitations on what they are willing or able to give, the Bible lets us know Jesus said that there's no limits with God. With God, all things are possible. What is impossible with man is not impossible with God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I, I thought I felt something when I said that. What is impossible with man is possible with God. So what that tells me is that whatever you're up against, whatever might seem to be impossible and a bum deal and, and it kind of makes your heart just drop thinking about it, I want you to know that with God, all things are possible and God can turn around whatever you are having a problem with today. Yet Peter, he sought a more specific answer. He didn't pull any punches. We know how Peter was, and he just got down to the, uh, where the rubber meets the road, and he wanted to know what was in it for them. After all, they had sacrificed everything they had to follow Jesus. In fact, they even gave up their family. They were willing to turn away from their family and not just throw them under the bus and not take care of them, but they were willing, their commitment, their short-term commitment to their family, they were able to put that on, the, on the, the back burner, if you will, and follow after Jesus. And so basically, Peter was asking, he said, 
Jesus, is it really worth it to follow after you? Now, before we criticize Peter and we give him a hard time, I want you to know that there had been many great men and women in the Word of God that had asked the same question. It may not be in the, the exact words that I just asked that in, but, but, in, but they were really asking, is this really worth living for God? Is it really worth what I have to go through or what I'm, I'm, I'm expected to do or be to, to serve God? I mean, I've got all these things in my life, and I've got, I've got some habits. I've got some preferences. I've got things that I like to do. But does that mean that I've got to change everything in my life to, to serve the Lord? Uh, not necessarily, but it may. Amen. I'm not saying that you have to give up everything that, that you're doing in your life unless the Lord tells you to give it up. And I want you to know if the Lord tells you to give it up, then yes, you do have to give it up. Amen. I'm not trying to be stringent or rude or, or mean or anything, but the Bible lets me know that if God is not number one in our lives, uh, then he's not anything to us. Uh, in other words, God is so powerful and so big uh, that we've got to make him our everything uh, in order to really follow after the Lord and be successful in our walk with God. Now, I, I looked in the Word of God a, a number of times, and I, I kind of found this pattern of, of people that had, had had to make their decision on whether or not it was worth really living uh, for the Lord. So I looked up in Psalm chapter 23. This is a man named Asaph. He was the, the chief musician for David, and, and Asaph was an anointed man. He was a great man uh, of God, and he was used by God in a, a wonderful way. But even he asked in verse number 2, he said, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. This is a man that was in the presence of the Lord that, that loved God a lot and, and he was devoted to David and whenever David was having a, a tough time and he needed to be uplifted uh, in the spirit, he would say, Asaph, come on in here and allow your anointed music to, to soothe my spirit and, and begin to sing praises unto the Lord. And, and even Asaph, while he was worshiping and, and serving the Lord, he even asked a question. He said, Lord, uh, you know, my steps were almost gone. I, I was almost to a part point in my, my walk with you that, yeah, I was kind of going through the motions and doing what I was uh, asked to do, but I asked the question of myself, uh, is this really worth living uh, uh, for the Lord? Uh, he, his problem is a problem that many people have uh, in their walk with God. They begin to look uh, at the prosperity of the wicked. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 73 that he began to look around and he couldn't understand uh, why, the, why the wicked were prospering? Uh, why is it that it seems like they've got all their needs being met? Uh, why is it that they don't have the headaches uh, and the concerns and the problems uh, that I have? Uh, what is the problem here, God? Uh, they're the wicked. Why is the wicked prospering uh, all around me? And here I'm, I'm sacrificing for you. Uh, I've given everything to you, God, uh, but yet I see the wicked. Uh, and that's the problem that sometimes we can have. Uh, we begin to look at other people's lives uh, and we look at the prosperity and we look at the, the almost the smooth road that they have, uh, but the Bible says in verse in uh, chapter number seventy-three, uh, it was until he came uh, into the house uh, of the Lord, uh, Amen. All of a sudden, he started to realize that hey, this isn't so bad. Uh, it's not a bad life living for the Lord. Uh, this peace thing uh, and this Holy Ghost thing uh, and this comfort thing uh, and the powerful signs, uh, wonders, and the miracles uh, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, is not a bad thing. 
And he understood. He started looking around at the people's lives uh, that would come into the house of the Lord. Uh, and he realized, you know, these people had some issues uh, before they came to the Lord. They had some problems that were too great for them to take care of. Uh, but all of a sudden, I came uh, into the house of the Lord. Uh, and I saw the glory of the Lord uh, upon the people of God. Uh, and God would take those problems uh, and those heartaches uh, and those pains uh, and those bondages away from them. Uh, and they could could all of a sudden walk uh, in a newness of life uh, and they were no longer what they used to be in the world. Amen. But once he arrived, he, he had a closer look at the goodness of the Lord. See, this is the problem sometimes. We can look at other people's lives, and, and as human beings, it's uh, our, our tendency sometimes to compare our lives and to measure our lives by, by other people. But, but that's not the, the true measurement that we need to go by. The true measurement that we need to go by is the, the Word of God. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's, it's God's uh, uh, love for us that we need to measure what we really have in our walk with God. And I need to tell somebody right now that Jesus Christ loves you. Amen. He died on a cross, uh, amen, and suffered on a cross uh, because of the love that caused him uh, to stay on that cross uh, and go through the, 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 the pain and the suffering uh, that we might have every one uh, of our sins forgiven uh, and we can walk in a newness uh, of life that the Bible talks about. <laughs> Praise God. When he came into the house of the Lord, it was a reminder that his Redeemer lives. It was a reminder that, you know, yeah, these people had a lot of issues and problems in their life, and, and they were trying to make it on their own, and they were trying to do things by themselves. But, but all of a sudden, I started looking in the house of the Lord, and I realized uh, that this is more powerful than their will and their, their discipline and their mindset of, of leaving the things that they used to be involved in. Uh, there's some people that were addicted to alcohol and drugs and all kinds of stuff uh, in their, their life, but today, here you sit uh, in the house of the Lord. Lord, uh, amen, you're not saved and you're not on the right path uh, because of your discipline. Uh, it's not because you are strong enough on your own. Uh, I want you to know the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, is what delivered you from the place uh, that you were in. And to God be the glory. And, you know, they, they think, well, you know, they, uh, to sin, you, you really, that's how you have a good time. That's how you, you enjoy your life. But I'll tell you this, uh, the best times that I've ever had has been in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. The best times I can think of as a kid uh, is being in the house of the Lord uh, and feeling the authentic power uh, of Jesus Christ uh, flowing through my spiritual veins. Amen. Now, Elijah had found himself in a place, and I'm going to give you a few examples in the, the Word of God of people that had struggled in their, their walk with God. And he began to wonder if it was worth serving the Lord. And so he went out, the Bible says, a day's journey into the, the wilderness right after he had called fire down from heaven and the, the 450 prophets of Baal, they were, they were destroyed by the fire. So this man had an anointing upon him. 
he had an authority about him. And, and so they were, they were opposing the truth of God's uh, uh, spirit being alive. And, 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 and Elijah said, no, we're not going to have any of that. He said, Whoever, whatever God calls down fire from heaven uh, and, and consumes this, uh, this saturated, this well-saturated sacrifice, uh, I want you to know he will be the true God. And we know that, that God answered Elijah by fire. And, and you talk about a powerful time. I, you know, that'd be pretty awesome to be able to be witnessing to somebody and talking to them about the, the power of God. And, and all of a sudden I say, you know, if the Lord answers by fire right now, will you believe uh, that there's a God in heaven? Oh, hallelujah. You better believe they will. Amen. Because they don't want to be struck by that fire. So they, they're going to believe. They would be like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely believe. You talk about a power. You talk about your faith being bolstered in, in the, 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 uh, the demonstration of the power of God. But yet it wasn't long before a, a woman named Jezebel started giving him a hard time and poke and prod him and, and intimidate him. And uh, the Bible lets us know that he, he felt like he was going to be killed and he was going to die. But, but while he slept, the Bible says that in the midst of his discouragement, he's thinking, man, you know, is this really worth living for God right now? In the midst of him sleeping, the Bible says that God... God sent an angel to him and woke him up and gave him bread to eat and water to drink. And, and so in the midst of his weakness and, and in the midst of his doubt, the Bible says uh, that God would sustain him and help him. You know, church, there's going to be times that we're going to feel a little bit weak in our own self, uh, in our own ability. And there's going to be times that we feel like, I don't know if I can take a, another step, let alone stand up on my feet here. Uh, but I want you to know the Bible says uh, that God will sustain his people. God will not leave you to fend for yourself, uh, but we serve a strong God uh, that is able to help you in the time of need. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a, of a pity party, and, and this is where Elijah found himself, that he's th saying, God, you know, I'm the only one that really is living for you. I, I'm the only one that has taken a stand for you. I, I look around, and I just don't see the commitment level that, that, uh, that I have, that, that other people, uh, they, they don't match that commitment level. But the Bible lets us know that God showed him that there were 7,000 other people that had not bailed, uh, bowed down to Baal. Uh, there were 7,000 other people that were still serving the Lord. Uh, amen. Not only were there multitudes uh, that still love him. Uh, amen. There were multitudes that were committed to the Lord God Almighty. I want somebody to know that in the world today, there are many uh, that are still living for the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. That are li living, running with the torch of truth. Uh, that says, I believe this. Uh, I believe the word of God and nothing uh, will deter me or keep me uh, from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. King Solomon, I was reading a little bit further. Uh, King Solomon was another man that sought many answers in the Word of God. And he kind of got bummed out the more he thought about the, the world that he lived in. He, he just began to write and write. And as a result, we have Ecclesiastes, which is probably, uh, you know, if you want to judge the encouragement of a, of, a, of a book of the Bible and the, the uh, discouragement of a book, if you will, it would probably be Ecclesiastes on the side of just being a little bit on the negative side. But he kept saying that all is vanity. The more he looked at the world and, and assessed what was out there and the more that he really studied what, what he lived 
lived in. He, he came to the conclusion that, that everything that I am trying to accomplish in this world is all vanity. And then the Bible lets us know that, that, that he, would, he would look to his friends. He would look to his family. Uh, he would look to the, the, the wealth that he had. But the summation of it all, whenever he was done uh, assessing his situation, uh, was that it is all vanity. Uh, amen. But all of a sudden, God said, but no, uh, when you have me in your life, uh, it's not vanity. When you have me working on your behalf, uh, all that stuff might be vanity, uh, but if you've got me inside your heart, uh, you've got the greatest thing that you could ever have, uh, and that is the Spirit of God living uh, inside of your heart. David asked his brethren one time, he said, he asked this question, the Valley of Elah, he said, is there not a cause? They were, they were frightened. They were in this valley, and they were looking at uh, a Goliath, and they're thinking, there's no way that we can take this guy. He's over eight foot tall. He's just a massive man, and, and we know what, what he can do. We know the power of this man. But, but David, he asked the question. He's a little runt of the, of the litter, if you will, of the, of the entire family. And he said, but isn't there a cause? Uh, don't you understand that, that all that is going on here, and he's mocking the, the God of Israel, and he's just uh, taunting them. Uh, but don't you know that, that is there a cause here? Is there, is there a reason that we are doing uh, uh, what we're doing? Is it worth that, that we are serving God? Is it worth that we are on the, on the, the God Almighty side? Uh, amen. The answer is an emphatic uh, yes. Uh, yes, there is a cause. Uh, yes, there is a fight worth fighting. Uh, yes, there is something that we need to delve into uh, more than the things of this world and say, God, uh, I want to make you first and foremost in my life. Amen. Began to think about Abraham and Lot, you know, we all come to choices in our, our walk with the, the Lord or just walk in this life where we have to decide on who we're going to serve. We have to, I mean, there's paths laid out. There's options here. We don't, nobody makes us do anything. Nobody makes us live for the world and, and uh, the things of the, uh, of the enemy, and nobody makes us live for God. And so the decision is strictly yours. You are the one that has to make that decision began to think about Abraham and Lot. And, and of course, we know that Lot, he chose the, the fertile ground and the, the beautiful land of Sodom and, and Gomorrah. And Abraham just let him choose. And, and he said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go God's way. I'm going to go this way. And I want to be led of, of the Spirit of the Lord. And so it wasn't long that before uh, uh, the, the sin had taken place, uh, uh, ran its uh, a complete course, that I believe that Lot within him, uh, something inside said, you know, I, I've chosen wrong. I, I made the wrong decision. My, my family is involved in things, and they're in an environment right now that, that, that I don't really, I'm not comfortable with them being in. And I, and I love my family, but, but I know that I had made a mistake uh, because I disregarded the things of God. And this isn't in my message right now, but I really feel this strongly in the Holy Ghost, uh, that you need to choose you this day who you're going to serve. Uh, you're not just doing this for yourself. Uh, you're not just doing this for your own life and to be on that path. And, and yeah, you're the only one that can really choose uh, the path that you're on. Uh, but don't you know that your family uh, is going to follow the path uh, that you are on? Uh, and if you choose a narrow path that the Bible says uh, will lead to eternal life, uh, I want you to know 
probably nine chances out of ten uh, or greater. Uh, you're going to have your little kids. Uh, you're going to have your family. Uh, you're going to have your friends. Uh, you're going to have people that you were influenced with. Uh, they're going to follow in your path. Uh, and you can shake your world uh, just simply by making up your mind. Uh, I'm going to serve uh, the Lord uh, with everything that's within me. Amen. So that, that's what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and there's a fire. The Bible says that, that as that fire came down, it consumed Sodom and, and Gomorrah. That I believe that Abraham found a, a rock somewhere, and he just kind of sat down, and, and he, he probably shook his head and said, Surely, yes, it does pay to serve the Lord. Amen. I believe as all that fire and brimstone and the destruction uh, is going on, uh, you better believe that he had the thought that crossed his mind, uh, man, I'm glad uh, that I followed after the plan uh, of God. Uh, oh, I'm so glad that my family uh, is safe right now. I'm so glad that Sarah is tucked away in the comfort uh, of our home right now, and they're not being destroyed by Sodom and Gomorrah. We chose well, and yes, it does pay to serve God Almighty. Amen. With many or just a few that are following Jesus, it pays to follow the Lord. You can't get caught up in numbers. You can't just get caught up on how many people are living for God and, and how many people are not living for God. At some point, we need to, we need to make the decision for ourselves. We can't fall into the trap of, of just kind of uh, taking a, a score on who's following the Lord and who's not or, or what religion they are, if you will. And I know uh, that word religion has a negative connotation over and over uh, in Scripture. But just for the sake of making decisions uh, for the Lord, we need to understand uh, that it doesn't matter how many choose to live this way. I remember the early years in 1998 of having church in that little building, and, and you better believe that if we were going by numbers, we were, we were losing a lot. Amen. We were losing every service because there was maybe uh, 8 to 12 people that would gather together, and it, it didn't feel like we were winners. Uh, it didn't feel like I, uh, sometimes there were Sundays, I'll be honest with you, where I thought, Does this really, is it really worth it? Now, I wasn't doubting my commitment to the Lord, but I'm, I'm just thinking, is it really worth uh, uh, going through all this effort and all this time uh, of just a, a handful of people that are, but you know what? It has nothing to do uh, with the numbers of people. Uh, amen. It doesn't matter how many's here today or how many there were uh, here or how many is in the biggest church in Illinois. Uh, I want you to know what really it boils down to uh, is whether or not I'm going to live for God. That's what it really boils down to. What is my decision on what I'm going to do with this thing called salvation? But in Acts chapter 8, I read a very interesting uh, passage of Scripture, and some of you may be familiar with the, the story of Philip. Philip started the church in Samaria, and I mean all the people, the Bible says all the people were hearing the message of Philip. And in Samaria, they were having revival. The Bible says that they were they were just, they were prospering. They were going and blowing. They just had everything going on their behalf. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that God called him to preach. To, I mean, he translated Philip, took him to a desert for one eunuch, and wanted him to preach to that one man. He took him out of the comfort of Samaria. He took him out of the comfort of revival that they were having and, and prosperity and a good feeling of just knowing that, man, I got the numbers here. I got the people. I've got the support. But God said, nope, it doesn't matter how many people are around you. I don't care what your conditions are. I want you to follow me. So Philip had to make the decision, either be comfortable or follow after God. 
Amen. He had to make a decision whether or not that he would give his, his everything to the poor and follow Jesus. In other words, it was another way of saying that. Or whether or not he was going to withhold and say, God, I'll do anything in Samaria, but that's the limit. I'm not going across the, the border of Samaria because I'm comfortable here. This is, this is the work that you planted me in. Uh, I believe it was hard for Philip to see why God would translate him uh, and take him out of that, that growing church, uh, that wonderful church in Samaria, and plant him down in the middle of a hot desert uh, waiting for one man to pass by that he was going to tell about Jesus Christ to. So if crowds, amen, if the crowds in God's house are 10,000 or they are 10, I want you to know it pays to serve the Lord. <laughs> Philip, I don't care if you're in Samaria or you're in the middle of a hot desert. I want you to know, Philip, it pays to serve the Lord. Brother, sister, whether you're in a church in Highland or Timbuktu somewhere, you need to serve the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Praise God. Don't get caught up in the numbers. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, or there's 3,000 on the day of Pentecost to get the Holy Ghost, the Bible says God is in the midst of them. Amen. In the days of poverty, it pays to serve the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read of a widow whose creditors were about to take her boys over the fact that she couldn't pay her bills. And so she had nothing but one pot of oil. And so she decided to give what she had. She gave everything she had. The Bible says that God multiplied her oil and allowed her to pay all of her debt, and she was able to live and keep her sons in her home. I believe all the way to the bank of paying, being able to pay her bills. I believe that she's walking or whatever she was riding in, as she's counting the money from selling all that oil, I believe she was saying, boys, it pays to serve the Lord. Amen. I want you to know, boys, if you just give your everything to the Lord, uh, he'll bring it together. Good measure. The Bible says, press down, shaking together, running over. Uh, if you give your everything to God, amen, it pays to serve the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible tells of a widow to whom Elijah was sent to, uh, to, to be fed by. She had nothing but uh, a little bit of oil to make one little uh, cake, if you will. And so she obeyed the prophet. The Lord told her, the prophet of the Lord said, I want you to bake that cake for me, the last cake that you have, and I'm going to eat that cake, and, and that's what the Lord wants you to do. So she obeyed the prophet. She served the man of God this one last cake that she had. Uh, and the Bible says that the barrel never went empty after that. The Bible says that over and over again, every time she dipped in for, for some more oil or, or get some more meal out of the bin, uh, I want you to know that just kept on being supplied uh, over and over again. Uh, you better believe she's saying, yes, uh, it sure does pay to serve the Lord. Amen. Now, in the days of persecution, it pays to serve the Lord. Amen. And we don't know the, the future of what this world entails. We know the back of the book, it can get a little rough for those who live for the Lord. And we won't get into the debate on whether God comes back and saves us from a lot of that tribulation or whether we'll have to go through some of it or we might uh, have to go through the whole thing. I'm not here to debate you on that. But I do know the Word of God lets us know that there will be days and times of, of persecution. 
And when you live for God and you give your everything to the Lord and, and you make that commitment that Brother Jason had talked about and you just make those, those uh, proclamations uh, that are very definite, there's going to be a target on your back. I want you to know whenever I preach with confidence and, and the Holy Ghost moves on me and I, I say a little bit more dogmatic than maybe some other preacher, uh, you better believe sometimes there's going to be a, a little bullseye on my back because I'm very confident in what I am saying. It's just the nature uh, of the beast. So I want you to know whenever you take a stand for God and you say this is the way, this is the only way, uh, there's only one way to heaven, uh, hey, all of a sudden there's going to be possibly some persecution that comes with that. Does everybody understand that? But 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 8 says it like this. Paul said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. So I want you to know whatever you're going through, whatever difficult time you are having, if you can just put your hands in the hands of the Lord and say, God, I'm going to commit myself to you. Uh, I'm going to be committed to you more than comfort, God. Uh, I'm going to do what I know to do. Uh, I am committed to you, Lord. Uh, hallelujah. I want you to know that God is going to see you through, uh, and he's going to help you through your difficult time. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Second Kings tells another story, and this is my final story here today, of a man and a woman. They often made meals for the prophet Elisha. In fact, they loved this man, and they honored him so much that they said, we're going to build a room for you in our home that whenever you pass through, you'll always have a place in our home. So they prayed, and they, they did all kinds of, of wonderful prayer meetings, I believe, in that home. But there's a, there's a point whenever he was passing through one day that this, this widow, she said, I would love, this, this lady said, I would love to, to have a, a, a son. And she said, I'm barren, and I'm not able to have a child. So the Bible lets us know that Elisha said, you will have a, a child. So she had a son a few years later. One day, this little lad is out in the field, and the Bible says that, that he said, my head, my head, and he ended up dying. And so he's, down, he's dead in the field, and, and his dad picked him up, swooped him up, carried him inside the house. And, and so suddenly, there I mean, you talk about panic. I can't even imagine what was going on in that home. And they said, what's going on? And, and uh, the, the dad said, he's, he's dead. And she said, it shall be well. She said, don't, don't even think that way. Everything's going to be a-okay because the prophet gave me this baby. And so she sends the servant to go get the, 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 the prophet uh, Elisha. And so he comes back with the, the servant and himself, and the, the servant meets her at the door. And while Elisha swoops him up and goes into the room that she made room for in her home, amen, There's a, that'll preach a whole message right there. You make room for God, and God will make room for the miracle. I ought to just go in that direction right now. Amen. If you make room for God in your home, in your life, in your heart, there are miracle after miracle after miracle that's going to swoop down in your home and your life, and you're going to step back and say, oh, only by the power of God could that take place. Woo, hallelujah. There are miracles right now awaiting. Uh, hallelujah. Every man, woman, child, uh, and boy, uh, if you but reach out to the Lord right now, uh, there's a miracle walking down uh, this aisle. 
Hallelujah. You just need to have faith uh, and grasp a hold of it and say, I need a miracle in my life, and I believe in that miracle. Praise God. The servant asked the, the woman, he said, what is going on here? She said, it will be well. Everything is going to be okay. And all of a sudden, they look up, and here's Elisha carrying down a baby boy. I don't know how old he was, but carrying him down. Uh, he is alive, and he is well. And she's probably saying, I told you it pays to serve, to serve God. Amen. Hey, we were in a destitute place. My child was dead here. But I want you to know, it does pay to serve the Lord. It does pay to make room for God in your life. Oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Amen. You might have some death in your life right now, and there are some things that look hopeless, and there's no life in them whatsoever. But I want you to know that we serve a God that is alive and well. He's a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. And he will come into your home, into your life, because we've seen it over and over again in this church. Amen. You know why we're doing what we're doing? You know why we're sharing what we share? It's because we see the signs, wonders, and miracles uh, in our church, uh, and we can't keep it to ourselves. Uh, we need to tell other people that God is still performing miracles uh, as he did 2,000, 4,000, and 6,000 years ago. Amen. Praise God. Whenever you've got a need, we serve a God that's able. Hallelujah. Whatever your need, I don't care if you're young or whether you're old, God is able. God can do all things. Amen. As we stand as the praise team comes, I, I, I can't help but to believe that perhaps there's, a, there's some death that you're dealing with in your life. And, and I'm not talking about a physical death, but I'm, I'm talking about hopelessness. I'm talking about something in your life that you're saying, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't have an answer for this. I don't have a rhyme or a reason on how this is going to take place, but, but I want you to know you are in an atmosphere of the presence of God. Amen. And where Jesus is, anything can happen. Amen. Anything can happen. I, and I feel that there might be somebody here today that, that you're just, you know, you don't need to know about the rewards of, of living for God in this life. I, I, I'm not going to sell you on that. I'm not going to tell you, and I said this in the Bible class when we were wrapping up the class, that I'm not going to promise you that everything's going to be smooth sailing from here, here on out. I'm not going to promise you that if you give your life to Jesus, you'll, you'll prosper and you'll be in great health and everything's going to be perfect in your life. I can't do that because I, I don't have that ability I don't have that ability to, to allow life not to affect you the way it does sometimes. We do know this principle is that life is unfair. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand, and we'll go to the grave of not understanding why it happened. But I can promise you this, and this is what I'm going to share again. What I, I, this wasn't part of my message or the Bible class, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost for today, that if you follow Romans chapter 8, and you allow God's Spirit into your life, and you allow Him into your home, if you allow Him specifically today into your life, that He'll begin to guide you and He'll direct your path. He'll, he'll show you. He'll give you the ability to know which direction you're to go. But later on in, in chapter, chapter 8 of Romans, it lets us know that as we give ourselves to Him and we're we're baptized into his, 
uh, into the water and we're baptized into his spirit and we follow after him. One of the favorite verses of many people is Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for good. I'm not going to promise you smooth sailing in this life. Amen. It's very possible that it will happen, but I'm not going to promise you that. But I do promise you that if you are the called according to the purpose of God, and you're here for a purpose today, and you follow after the Lord hand in hand, and you do your best to commit to Him, the Bible says that all things, whether good or bad, the great things, the bad things, the, the tragedies, the blessings, the Bible says that all things will work together for the good. Amen. They may not feel good sometimes, but it's for the good of the kingdom. Whatever God's will is, that's what's good. Amen. And I promise you, if you can commit yourself to the Lord and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this thing a try. I don't understand it. I may not ever be like them. You might be thinking that right now, and that's fine. But just make a step towards the Lord. Let this be a step where you say, God, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm going to make a commitment here. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to follow after your, your plan the best I can. And while that rich young ruler was, he walked away sorrowful. And that, that word sorrowful really struck me, Brother Morgan, that he was a sad that he didn't make the decision. You would think that if he was confident and he's running to a whole bunch of wealth and all the stuff that he had, that he might be happy that he didn't have to give it up. That wasn't the case. The Bible says he was sorry. He walked away from Jesus Christ knowing that the, the world and the things of this life had such a grip on him that he was unable to relinquish the control that it had on his life. How sad that is. That's why I said at the beginning that we need to surrender to the Lord. That means that whenever we lift our hands to the Lord, that it's not about, God, what I can hang on to. It's not what I have grasped in my fist that, the Lord, I'm letting go. I'm, I'm opening myself to, up to you to where you can bless my life, to where you can at least come into my life and I can follow after your spirit, that I can follow after your will. I think that maybe there's somebody here today that needs to turn their ears and their eyes towards the Lord. I can't help but to believe that the Spirit of the Lord is not speaking to somebody's heart and tugging at your heart saying, you, you know you can commit to the Lord better. You know that you need to seek after me. Have you been seeking after me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, as the Bible says? I don't know if any of us can absolutely answer that question with an emphatic yes. I think sometimes we all just withhold a little bit. But what would happen in this service today if with everything that's within us, if we say, God, I'm going to seek you. I don't care about anybody around me. I don't care about my wife or my husband. I don't care about my friends. I don't care about my peers that are by me. I don't care about my family. All I know is that I'm going to seek you, God, with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. Amen. And if you do that, if you can do that, if you can, you can surrender your heart to him, there is no telling what God can do in your life. Amen. There's no telling the impact that you can make on the lives of people that are around you. wonder if we could just close our eyes right now. Amen. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord?
as a sign of surrender. Could you just lift your hands to the Lord right now and say, God, I, I surrender myself to you. Maybe you've been asking that question, is it really worth serving the Lord? Is it really worth living for Jesus? Why don't you get the answer today? Why don't you just say, Lord, I'm going to commit to you with everything that's within me, God. I'm going to take what I have and I'm, going to, I'm just going to cash it in, Jesus, in my commitment. I'm not talking about your stuff, but I'm just talking about your heart right now. Everything that shares my desires, everything that shares my loyalty, God, everything that I've made a God in my life, Lord, and that's between you and God. Whatever I've made a God in my life, Lord, I'm going to lay it down at an altar right now. And I wonder if you could begin to go out in the aisles and if you want to pray where you're at or in the aisle or you want to come up to the altar here right now. I can't help but to believe that somebody needs to surrender something to the Lord that is, that is just kind of superseding your commitment to Jesus. Is there something you need to lay down? Is there something that you need to lay at the altar and say, God, I, I want to get rid of this so I can say with confidence that it is worth living for you, Jesus. It's worth leaving my everything, God, and following after you. I give you praise, Jesus, right now in the name of the Lord. Why don't you come? Amen. Why don't you surrender to the Lord right now? Amen. If you want to pray where you're at, just surrender and say, God, I want to, I just want to commit myself to you. I want to do more for you, Jesus. I know I didn't have a lot of jokes, no humor in this message today, but I felt very, very strongly to preach a message of commitment to somebody that's here today. I believe that God has called you to make a commitment and to follow after the Lord. This is your opportunity to say, God, I'm going to just, I'm going to start on this path. I'm going to seek you, Lord, with all my heart. God, I'm going to seek after you, Jesus, with my path.